Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you could stand for the reading of the word, it would be nice. Genesis chapter 2 from verse 4. Alright. I think it's on the screen so we can read. Let's go. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Next verse. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Next verse. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord, verse, nine, verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 9, and out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four rivers. 11. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which cuts the whole land of Havila, where there is gold. Hey, wow. And the gold of that land is good. And Delium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes round the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hidekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man. Are you noticing something here? Very interesting. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. He didn't put him in a place that doesn't have resources. He put him in a place that he had already put resources in place. There was a river. There was gold. Wow. Precious stones. The trees were there as well. And then he put man there to do what? To tend and to keep the garden. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us today. 
through your holy word, change our lives and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Who can guess the title of my message? Huh? To have and to hold. <laughs> Who said that? Lucy. I want to speak on the subject management and multiplication. Management and multiplication. Remember, this is our year of multiplication. So we want to look at management and multiplication. This is a message that cuts abroad. It will help you in your business. It will help you in your company. It will help you as an individual. It will help you regardless of where you are in life. All of us, we need to have proper management in place for us to see multiplication in our lives. You see, the average person has no clue what management is all about. The average person doesn't understand how to manage stuff. The average person doesn't have managerial skills to be able to manage what he or she has to cause multiplication in their lives. And that is the reason why many people are broke. Many people are poor. And many people are victims of the hand-to-mouth syndrome. It is sad to note that we have left our financial prosperity or wealth creation in the hands of politicians. We wait for five years to elect someone we believe will deliver us from poverty. And we believe that if we can only put this person in office, that our lives will change. I remember when we voted for Kibaki to remove Kanu, Kenya was voted the most optimistic people on the planet because we hinged all our dreams, our future, our aspirations on one man, Kibaki. So we believe that if we can just put somebody on that seat, that person will help us to become rich. That person will give us tenders, lucrative tenders, that will deliver us from poverty. That person will uh, you know, appoint us to influential positions. Maybe choose us as an MD or give us a parastato to, to run. And by doing that, we shall be delivered from poverty. Or that person will influence our application letter so that it doesn't have to go through so many hurdles and obstacles so that we can be able to get that dream job. But many times it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes even the people we elect and we thought that this person will change our lives, this, the moment they go and occupy those offices, they don't even remember that you exist. It's just like Joseph who interpreted a dream for someone and someone went and he found himself back 
to the palace, but he forgot about Joseph. So sometimes they're elected, but they don't really do what we expected them to do. Or sometimes they don't even get elected. We knew they would be elected. We banked our money on them. We joined their campaign teams. We sang the songs. We wore the t-shirts. I'm sure you still have that t-shirt. You use it to sleep, isn't it? And when these people are not elected, our hearts are crushed. Our dreams are crushed. We feel like it is the end of our financial prosperity or the journey of our financial prosperity. Others, ladies and gentlemen, leave waiting for the day they will just collect a lot of money from the ground. So even your prayers are very interesting. Father, today, as I go out and I am walking around, let somebody lose 20,000 shillings and may I pick it in Jesus' name. In fact, you say, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray and you shout amen. And we believe by picking money, 20,000, 30,000, 100,000 from the ground, it will sort our financial problems. Or sometimes you just wait and hoping somebody will give you a lot of money. Somebody will give you a million. Or somebody out of the blues will give you uh, 50,000. So that you can sort out your financial needs. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I really have a lot of financial needs. And tell that neighbor, if you are the one God wants to use, please hear him quickly right now. Why are you resisting the voice of God? The day you, please preach to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. We love those things, isn't it? And you're hoping that somebody can come and sort out your financial mess in even one day. Some people, even that is the motivation for marriage. Your motivation for marriage is not love. Your motivation for marriage is to come out of poverty. You're just wishing somebody, a rich man can marry you. Or you can marry a rich woman. That's why you see young boys marrying older women who have money, but they don't have love. So they say, I am broke, but I have love. You are rich, but you don't have love. So I'll bring love. You bring money. Isn't it true? Others dream of winning a lottery. Don't look at your neighbor. I'm preaching to you. You are, you, you are betting. Which major match do we have this weekend? It was yesterday. So ask your neighbor, did you lose some money or you gained some money? People are pretending as if they don't do these things. So let me just keep preaching. So you dream. And you say, I will enter into this thing hoping that I can win a million dollars. I will get into this competition hoping that I can win. And they keep on telling you, you know, try as many times as you can. Send an SMS. And then you see testimonies. 
they bring people to give testimonies. This thing is true. I entered like thrice. And look at me, I have won a million shillings. Then there you're watching, you also feel enticed. You send your SMS again. You send another SMS again. You send another SMS again. You send another SMS again. And you have never won. Some of you will never win. I prophesy, you will never win. You're not saying amen, but it's still a prophecy. I prophesy you will never win in Jesus' name. The reason why you will never win is because when you become a Christian, the rules of engagement are different. God doesn't want you to depend on luck because lottery cancels work. Lottery cancels the principle of work, the principle of diligence. Lottery cancels the principle of management. Studies have shown that most of the guys who have won lotteries, lotteries, you know, in the past, they are still poor. Because it's not the money that makes you rich. Oh, Lord, help me teach tonight, this morning. It's not the money that makes you rich. It's management of the monies that you have that makes you rich. If I give you money, and you don't have financial management structures in your place. In five years, you will still be where you are today. So it's not the money. It's management. Somebody shout management. Shout it louder. I can't hear you. Please, I can't hear you. Did you have breakfast this morning? Shout it louder. It is management that will make you multiply what you have. So that you can experience financial prosperity. When I was in Las Vegas, you'll be there in Jesus' name. One of the things that really caught my attention was gambling. Las Vegas is known for gambling. We were taken to these casinos where they have a lot of food, but they don't make money out of food. They make money out of gambling. And you see people from morning to evening seated in front of these slot machines. Punching figures, throwing in money and punching figures and hoping that they can win something. And they are there from morning to evening up to late in the night. Just there playing these gambling games, hoping that they can win something. Poker, whatever you call it. They are holding huge, huge casinos, centers of entertainment. Those casinos have hotels where they cook. They have conference rooms. But the major, major thing that happens there is gambling. In fact, I remember some of my friends in America. I used to tell them that I'm from Las Vegas. They look at me and they laugh. They say, well, did you gamble? Because that's the major thing, you know, in Las Vegas. It cancels work because you're depending on luck. You're depending on this one chance, somebody say one chance. Say again, one chance, one chance. Yeah, this one chance, you're depending on this one chance and you're saying, if I can only have this one chance and get a million shillings, uh, I will kill, I will kiss poverty goodbye. But tell your neighbor, it's not true. Tell your neighbor, it's a lie. You need management. 
Because it is through management that you are able to cut on wastage and losses. If it, is, it is through management that you are able to make use of the monies that you have prudently and wisely and multiply them so that you can have a surplus. It is through management that you are able to grow. You are able to grow your business. You are able to grow your company. It is through management that you are able to grow yourself as an individual and experience multiplication in all aspects of your life which will bring profit in everything that you are engaged in. Somebody shout again, management. Now, if you are to study anything that will move you forward, I will advise that you, start, you do a course on management. Because even without talking about money, some of you cannot even manage yourself. Your body is out of control. You're very quiet. Can I come closer? You can't manage yourself. You can't manage your emotions. You can't manage your thoughts. Ask your neighbor, are you here? Because you can be here and your, 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 mind, your mind is fishing. You can be here, but your mind is shopping. You can be here, but your mind is kissing a brother somewhere. Some of us can't even manage ourselves. You can't say no to a man who wants to sleep with you and is not married to you. You can't say no to a lady who wants to sleep with you and she's not your wife. It's getting kind of quiet. Should I stop there or should I continue preaching? You, you can't say no to food and we are fasting. We did 21 days of fasting. And some of you cannot stay away from food for 21 days. I know you. I can see food written over your forehead. You can't say no. When it's time to pray, you can't pray. You can't pray for an hour. You are like the disciples of Jesus. They couldn't even pray for an hour. You need management. You need to manage yourself. Even before we even talk about managing money. So if there is anything I can advise you to do for you to move to the next level is to do a course on management where you can know how to manage various aspects of your life because that is what will bring multiplication in your life. Tell your neighbor if you can't say amen, just say mm. If you can manage your appetite, you will never, you will never grow. You will never move forward. If you can't manage your cravings, everybody has a craving here. If you can't manage your cravings, forget about some levels in your life. You can't attain certain levels in your life. If you can't control your proclivities, Everybody here, you have your own proclivities. If you can't control them and you can't manage them. You see, the Bible says a man who has no rule over his spirit, a man who cannot manage himself is like a city without a wall. 
A city that is without a wall is a city that is without defense. Anything can come in and anything can come out of that city. It's exposed. It's without a defensive mechanism. You see, even you as a, as a person, you, you, you have a defensive mechanism. Yes, that fights diseases, isn't it? Yeah. If it is suspended, anything will take you out. So management is very, very important if we are going to experience growth, if we are going to experience increase, if we are going to make headway in anything that we are involved in. Can somebody say amen? amen. Listen to this. Today I'm going to say some very deep things. Many people are poor, not because of lack of resources, but because of poor management of the resources they have. Let me say that again. Many people are poor, not because of lack of resources, but because of poor management of the resources that they have. If you can't manage 10,000, and you come to God and pray and say, God, give me 100,000, will he answer that prayer? He will not answer that prayer. There are prayers God never answers. In fact, I have realized that God will answer prayer that corresponds your capacity to manage what you are asking him to give to you. I have seen sometimes people even pray and you say, it's good to pray big prayers, but sometimes it's good to be realistic. You, 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 are, you, are, you are living in a bed sitter. And Tuesday prayer service, you always pray for God to give you an aeroplane. Look, it's good to have big vision. <laughs> but can't you just be realistic a little bit? And maybe even that bed sitter, if I come there, number one, it is dirty. Oh, you don't want us to talk. It is dirty. Number two, you are even struggling to pay it. Yeah? Number three, the last time you changed your bed sheets was 2020 during COVID. Then you are here crying, Lord, oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, I come unto thee with a humble heart. Give me an aeroplane. If you can't pay rent for a bed sitter, how will you fuel? Where will you pack it? Will you afford even the parking fees? How about maintenance? So you have to grow your managerial skills. Your ability to manage what you have. Because many people are poor. Not because of lack of resources. But because they can't manage where they are. And they can't manage what they have. And so it limits their promotion to the next level. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor if you can say amen, say mm. So the multiplication of finances, the multiplication of 
the monies that you have will only happen when there is proper management in place in your life. The multiplication of your companies, of your businesses, of the churches that we want to plant will only happen when there is proper management in place. I want to say something here that I believe is true. God is never moved by your emotions. And God is not an emotional God. There are people who think that if I can just, you know, make God emotional. <laughs> I can just move God to be emotional a little bit. He will give me the aeroplane. God is not moved by emotions. God is moved by principles. Thank you for that one, amen. I wish I had some dollars. <laughs> God is not moved by emotions. He is moved by principles. There are people who think if I can just make God very emotional, if I can come and just make God feel sorry for me, I tell him, oh God, you know, I am, I am, I am maskini amungu, oh God, look, look, look at me. I'm poor, I didn't even eat yesterday, oh God, I'm poor. And you think you can move God with your emotions to make him respond to you. God is not moved by emotions. God is moved by principles. He is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of principles. So if you think you'll make him emotional so that he can do things that are inconsistent with his nature, then you're going to experience a rude shock in your life. So you must engage principles. Somebody shout principles. <clears throat> Excuse me. You must engage principles that will make God move on your behalf. That will make God start doing things that will be able to bring multiplication in your life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 to 15, the text that we have read, gives us principles of management. And I want us to look at those principles and I pray that we shall inculcate those principles in our lives so that God can trigger multiplication in our lives. Can I get an amen? Can I get a louder amen? Principle number one of management. God stops growth or increase or even multiplication in the absence of a manager. God stops growth, increase, or multiplication in the absence of a manager. Genesis chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible says, Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. The reason why God did not send rain is because there was no man to till the ground. The reason why God did not bring these perfect conditions, weather conditions for the seed to germinate from the ground is because there was no manager to manage the resources. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, 
before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man. Somebody say no man. There was no man to till the ground. So the earth was just this massive planet spinning in space. No tree, no grass, no animal, no beauty, nothing. And the reason why it was not producing, the reason why there was no growth, the reason why there was no reproductive, you know, um, the, the reproductivity on earth is because there was something that was missing. There was no manager. There was no management. So God withheld growth. He withheld progress. He withheld development because there was no one on earth to till. The word till, T-I-L-L, means the operation practice or art of preparing land for seed and keeping the ground free from weeds which may impede the growth of crops. What is that? That is management. Let me say that again. The word till means the operation, practice, or art of preparing land for seed and keeping the ground free from weeds which might impede the growth of crops. So God withholds resources in the absence of a manager. Where there is no management, there will be no multiplication. Where there is no management, there will be no growth. Where there is no management, there will be no increase. Where there is no management, there will be no multiplication. God will not release his reign. You're very quiet. God will not release his reign on your business if there is no management. God will not release his reign on your company if there is no management. God will not release his reign on your family if there is no management. God will not release his reign on your marriage if there is no management. There has to be management in place to prepare the ground so that when God releases rain on the ground, there will be multiplication of the seed that has been sown in the ground. Lack of management is the reason why many people are stuck. Lack of management is the reason why many people are in debt. The reason why many people can't even give tithes and offerings is because of lack of management. You are not a good manager of your finances. Have you had somebody say, the day I'll get a lot of money, I'll start, I'll start tithing. The day I'll get a lot of money, I'll start giving. The, the day I'll get a lot of money, I will start partnering with God. Look, you will never see the money until you start managing the monies that you have already. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that is what he's going to reap. So the manager must be in place. Am, am I preaching to managers here? So I hope that as I'm preaching, you become a manager. So that you attract rain. Hallelujah. You do what? You attract rain. You attract water. Because when you, when you plant a seed and there is no rain, the seed will still die. You need divine blessings. You need the hand of God on what you're doing. But God will not bless confusion. God doesn't want to be involved where there is no structure. 
where there is no planning, where there is no management. There has to be management in place for him now to put his hands and release a blessing upon that thing. Look at your neighbor and tell them, that's why we are poor. Oh, yes. Look, some of you, if from today, this message, you put it into practice, before the end of this year, you buy a car. Not on loan, cash. Some of you, before the end of this year, because of management, you buy a house. Oh, the amen is coming. Thank you, Lord. My message is working. Some of you, because of proper management, before the end of the year, you'll be married. This is not now you're not married, it's because you're confused. And nobody, nobody wants to marry confusion. Because the person who's trying to marry you is already confused. So he's imagining if he has another confusion in his life. Ask your neighbor for me, are you organized? Are your finances organized? Is there management in your finances? Why are you not talking to your neighbor? Talk to your neighbor, ask them, is there management in your finances, in your house? These people are not talking to their neighbors behind there. Everybody turn to your neighbor, ask your neighbor, is there management in your life, in your house, in your marriage? Oh God, give me rain, give me rain, give me rain. Release your blessings, release power, release favor, release the anointing. Then God says, where will I release it? Where will I release it? There's no place. You have not prepared the ground. The manager is not there to work on the ground. There is no manager who can drop a seed on the ground. So I can't release my rain. It will be wasted. I will wait until I get a manager. And when I get that manager, I will release the rain. This year, may you be the manager that God is looking for. Can you shout a louder amen? I say, may you be the manager God is looking for. So that he may release his rain upon you. When there was no man to till the ground, God says, I will not make it rain. That's why you see when you read the rest of the verses, you see that God started preparing the place and then after that, he made a manager. Yes. He said, I can't create this beautiful garden without somebody to manage it. He created Adam and he put him in that garden. This is powerful. Write this so that you don't forget. Money is attracted to management, not handsomeness. And beauty. Money is attracted to management. A good managerial structure in a place will attract money. Why? Because management will always eliminate wastage. Number two. Let's move on. I have a long way to go. God has granted each of us management opportunities. These are principles of management. God has granted each and every one of us management opportunities. Everyone has a chance at management. There are people who say, oh, I've not been given a chance, I've not been appointed, I've not been selected. They only select, you know, these people. They only select short people. They only select brown people. They only select rich people. No, everybody has been given a chance to exercise management. If you have a house, it's an opportunity for you to manage it. 
If you have a business, God has given you an opportunity to manage your business. If you're married, God has given you an opportunity to manage your marriage. If you have a job, how many people are employed here? Shout yes. Yes, God has given you an opportunity to manage your job. Everybody, God has given you an opportunity to manage something. If you are a shepherd, it is an opportunity for you to demonstrate your managerial skills. So everybody here, if you look at your life, you will see opportunities that demanded your managerial skill. But this is the thing. Some of us have not done very well. Some of us, God has allowed us to manage something, but we have not done very well. God has given you land. You have not even fenced it. Are you breathing? Are we to hear somebody? God gave you land five years ago. There is nothing on that land. No fence. No toilet. When you go there and you want to go and relieve yourself, you look left and right. Then you disappear in one of the bushes. No tree, no hedge, no fence, no nothing. When God gives you a wife, it's an opportunity to manage your wife. Kwanini bibi anakushinda. What kind of a man are you? Huh? When God gives you a husband, it's an opportunity. Today the church is very quiet. It's an opportunity for you to manage that man. Oh yes. Everybody you have been given opportunities to manage something. If God gives you children, it's an opportunity for you to manage the children. Oh, pastor, you don't understand my situation. I don't need to understand your situation. Because I am not you. And you are not me. We are very different. But understand that God has given you an opportunity where you are to manage what he has given to you. You know, as I was talking to God about this message, I realized that if if, if people can catch what I'm teaching today, you'll see how rich you become. You, you see, opportunities determine if you're going to move to the next level or not. You understand what I'm saying? You are a single person. You don't even have a budget in your house. You don't even know how you spend your money in your house. Then you want to get married. And God looks at you and then he looks at the person you want to marry and he can see that you're going to make the life of this person very difficult. So he decides to give that woman to another man. 
Because there are people who say, oh, my man is just there. My man, he, he can be there. But if you're not ready for him, and the man is ready to get married, God will work a plan B. It's very quiet. It's very, very quiet. Some of you, you are single, but your partner is already married. He's already married. So God will give you another one. If you can work on yourself. You see, the Bible says no one will lack her mate. It does not mean you only have one person waiting for you. No. It is not fair that somebody is ready. Yeah? And then you are not ready. And then that person is just mark timing, waiting for you to be ready. You are lying to yourself. God will bring another person because he answers prayer. So everybody has an opportunity. Wherever you are, parenting, job, whatever, wherever you are. Let me break this down to your level so you understand what I'm saying. You look very scared and I've not even started. <laughs> when, when, for example, when God gives you a job, you're supposed to manage your job, all right? Now, if you start going late, you're making excuses. Very soon, you're going to be sacked. And there are people who think, because I got this job easily, I can get another one, I can get another one easily. Let me tell you, you might end up looking for a job for 10 years. Because the one God gave you, you treated it so casually. You were unfaithful. You were stealing from your boss. You steal milk from the kitchen. You steal sugar. Some of you, your parents were teachers. They used to steal books from school to bring to you. And pens. Is this the reason why you never made it to the university or what? God will never bless a place where there is no good manager. So everybody, you have an opportunity. Tell your neighbor you have an opportunity to be a good manager. Look at the house you are living in. It's a rented house, but you have broken the windows. You have broken the taps. You have destroyed the handles to the door. Look at how you open the door. You squeeze your finger inside the hole, isn't it? And then you pull the door. And you, don't, you, you, you are not thinking you should repair that door because it is not your house. You are renting it. And then you are here praying, oh God, give me my house. Give me my house. Give me my house. He's saying, go and fix somebody else's house first and be a good manager. And then I will give you your own house. You don't want me to preach, but I'll preach to you anyway. You must be a good steward. You must be faithful with that which belongs to another man. Be a manager, proper manager. You're given a company car. How do you use it? It is a car for sherets. It is going everywhere. Carrying everything. It is carrying goats. 
you squeeze a goat at the back of the seat because it's a company car. And then you're here praying, oh God, give me my own car. God says, you are a poor manager. I can't give you your own car. He gives you money. What is the first thing you think about when you get money? You don't even think about him. Address, shoes, a fine meal. Then when you have exhausted the money, you come back and say, Oh God, I am back. You are Jehovah Jireh. Jireh, you are in You never tithed. You never thought about his kingdom. You are a poor manager of monies. He will never ever increase you in any way. Adam was given a chance to manage the garden. The Bible says, verse 6 to 8, But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. He said, from today, I'm not going to manage this garden. From today, you're going to be the manager of this garden, Adam. In other words, he was giving him a chance to manage the house. Ladies and gentlemen, write this. You cannot move to the next level of growth, increase, and expansion if you haven't proved that you are able to manage your current circumstances. I repeat. Do you want me to repeat? Watch the sermon after the service. So everything God has given you is an opportunity to manage it. A car, a house, monies, a job, a company, marriage, children, department, whatever it is, God has given you a chance to prove your managerial skills. Write this. Poor managers will always be demoted. Poor managers will always be demoted. There are people who cry and say, I think, I think, I think, I think marine spirits have risen against me. I think somebody has gone to a witch to frustrate my progress. Eh? Witches. It is not witchcraft. It is your poor managerial skills that is making you not to be promoted. Poor managers will always be demoted. When they think of retrenching workers, is your name on the list? When there's a discussion in the boardroom about shedding excess weight, is your name featuring on that list? If you are a poor manager, your name will be number one. And you will lose your job. And you will leave complaining and say, the devil is against me. I'm going to fast for 21 days. You don't need to fast for 21 days. You need to up your game. Tell your neighbor, up your game. Tell them again, up your game. Yeah, you must become a good manager because God has given you an opportunity to manage something. And because it's an opportunity that God has given unto you, that something must multiply. It must grow because you are a good manager. 
I declare over your life this year that whatever opportunity you will find for managing something, there will be multiplication. There will be growth and increase. Shout aloud, amen. Number three. Wow. What do you mean I have eight minutes? Anyway. Number three. Efficient management is work. Efficient management isn't by luck or chance. It requires what? Work. An efficient manager isn't lazy. He's a diligent worker. He knows that his position is not just a title to flash around, but a responsibility to execute. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Look at what the Bible says here. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. And when he put him in the garden, there are two things, but I want us to look at the first one first. He put him in the garden to tend. Somebody shout, tend. Now, when you read it from the KJV, it says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress. So to tend is to dress the way you dress. All right? So the word dress or tend is from the Hebrew word a bird, which means to work or to cultivate. So it implies that the man was put in the garden to cultivate the garden. To adorn the garden, to improve the garden, to decorate the garden, to work on the garden and to make it better. What is that? That is management. He was there to ensure that there is propagation, multiplication, growth, and progress in the garden. Ladies and gentlemen, an effective manager is allergic to disorder, confusion, and chaos. When you put him in a place, he initiates order, he brings adorn, adornment, he brings organization, he brings progress in that particular place through diligent work. Hallelujah. So a manager is not lazy. A manager is hardworking. A good manager is hardworking. I remember when we came here, for those who came here, there was nothing here. Yeah, it was plain open field with a lot of shrubs who were being pricked by thorns while we were working on this place. But look at the place right now. This is a sign of good management. Let me clap for... It's a sign of good management. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But is it easy? No. It took a lot of work, diligence, commitment, to translate what was in my head to the ground. Fighting for trees to grow. It's not automatic. Fighting for the grass to grow. Put the grass here. Put the tree here. Excavate here. Put a road here. It is work. So efficiency in management requires a lot of work. Tell your neighbor you have to do something. You can't just lazy around and think that things will work. You can't just lazy around and think that your financial mess will be sorted out. You have to work. You have to be diligent. You have to roll up your sleeves and tell yourself that I'm going to sort out this financial mess in my life. I'm going to change the traje trajectory of my life. I'm going to remove this. I'm going to put this here. I'm going to change this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to sacrifice this. I'm going to balance this. I'm going to balance this. I'm going to invest here. I'm going to save this. I'm going to cut down on my expenses. I'm, I'm going to stop eating from the hotel from morning to evening. I'm going to save some monies. It takes work. 
If it means carrying food from your house, carry the food from your house. See, there is a microwave in the office. Management. It's diligence. It is work. Hallelujah. I have lived in the same house for more than 10 years. Same house. More than 10 years. And it is for a reason. I lived there because I also had some goals that I wanted to fulfill. You see, more money does not mean you move. Some people are very wicked. A little bit of some money, they, they are, oh, we are moving. <laughs> we are moving. Call, call the movers. Even the way you're moving is expensive. Me, I've never moved with movers. Me, I call a canter. We go and negotiate. I pack my things. I go and get cartons from supermarkets. I pack my books. <laughs> movers, people, please continue. I pack my things. I make it cheap to move. So I've been in the same house for more than 10 years. I had an opportunity to move, but I didn't want to move. I had an opportunity to move to a big house. I didn't want to move. I asked myself, why am I moving to a big house? Is it pressure? Anytime I start thinking it's pressure, I dismiss the idea. Because I don't want to live in pressure. Some of you are killing yourself with pressure. Because you want to measure up. And you want to show people that you are doing very well. But the real the real reason why you are doing that is because you are under pressure. You are trying to prove a point. And you are trying to prove a point to people who are not even aware that you are proving a point. I've lived in the same house for more than 10 years to make sacrifices, to be diligent in controlling my finances and telling my finances where they need to go. And out of those 10 years, I've bought four houses. Not only houses, I've bought land. Controlling my finance, just controlling. You know, sometimes I even meet some pastors, they put pressure on me, say, oh, you know, a man of your stature, you should, you should, yeah, yeah you should be in Runda. Hmm, sounds good, eh? I'm Runda even my walking changes, isn't it? But why spend all that money when I can set aside part of the money and secure a financial future for my grandchildren? Not even my children. My grandchildren. Look at a typical African when there is a salary increment, call the movers. We are doing what? We are moving out. When there is just a bonus, a bonus, we are changing this car. We are buying, we want to buy a V8. 
We want these neighbors to know that we are not, we are not small people. So you buy a V8. A V8, if you are going to Nakuru and back, you might spend even 50000 or 40000 on fuel. The car you used to have, going to Nakuru and back, how much was it? Huh? 4000 That's why now we realize you don't drive it every day. Oh, we are very quiet in here. Where Monday to Friday, we see you with that small car, car, car. It's Sunday that you show up. Tell your neighbor, stop pleasing me because I'm not impressed. Why are you not talking to your neighbor? Some of you is like you're on strike this morning. Tell your neighbor, stop pleasing me because I'm not impressed at all. I'm not, I'm not, impre- I'm not moved. It is work. Tell your neighbor, it is work. And some of you, you have to control your spending. Your spending is out of control. You lack the managerial skill of controlling your spending. Look, eating in a hotel is not a swag. It is an expense. Let me break it down for you. Even if you take photos, when I look at the photos, I know you have parted with 3,500 shillings. That is the bottom line. It is not the photo and it is not the food. It is an expense. You are very quiet. Taking a photo before you board a plane is not a swag. (laughs) It is what? Even if you are tagging your maths teacher, telling your maths teacher, where am I? Where am I going? The underlying issue is it's an expense. Question is, are you able to afford it? Are you able to sustain it? Don't try, don't try to kill yourself trying to impress people. Efficient management requires work. You must make some sacrifices. You must work on some things. You must to chop off some things. You see, God put Adam in the garden and it involved him chopping some things, pruning some trees. Uh-huh. Cutting some branches. Uh-huh. And sometimes when you're chopping some of those things, it is painful. You must, it is not a must for you to buy a new dress every week. Look, we don't even notice. Even if you wear a watch of a hundred thousand, you are the only one who knows. Unless you tell us, we will not even know. But at the bottom, mine that costs 5,000, if it is 1115, even yours is saying what? <laughs> tell your neighbor, work on it. Slap your neighbor, tell them, work on it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. 
Am I saying you should not wear a, a watch worth that amount? No. If you can afford, wear it. But if you're wearing it and you can't breathe, <laughs> it's like you're underwater. <laughs> you're driving a car you can't afford. Squeezed life out of you. That's why you can't even tithe. When we ask, hey, let's have guests of honors. Because <laughs> you have nothing to spare for God. I tell you, neighbor, it's changing this year. Tell them again, it's changing this year. Anything you wear on credit is a sign of poverty. Anything you drive on credit <laughs> is a sign of poverty. Anything you eat on credit is a sign of poverty. Proverbs 14.23. Can we read all together? In all labor. Somebody shout labor. In all labor there is what? Profit. What I'm teaching you is labor. Is hard work. But let me tell you, there will be profit. There will be profit. Oh, yes. You see, borrowing is the easiest thing to do. It's for lazy people who don't want to think, who don't want to plan, who don't want to strategize. I, I will just borrow. I'll borrow this one to try and offset this one. And then I borrow here to offset here. Then borrow here to get a loan to, to do this. Then borrow here. There. That is a sh that, that, that's for lazy people. Look, as your pastor, I believe cash is the king. I say as a pastor, as your pastor, I believe cash is the king. And I believe zero is richer than negative. Hmm? Let me try this side. Zero is richer than negative. And you need to come to a place where you are so comfortable, even when there is no money in your pocket, but nobody owes you nothing. I don't have money, but nobody is calling me. That's why you see people have five phones. Five phones. What are you doing with five phones? Oh, this one is for, uh, this one is for Equity Bank. The loan equity bank. They call me using that number. This number is for, please mention them, Tala. And then this other one is for, for Lisa. And then this other one is for, huh? KCB. So when you sit on the table, you put your phones and people think you're rich. But they don't know. Our phone is just about to ring. <laughs> lift your hand and say this year I must be free if there is anybody you have a loan here work at paying it quickly and from today say I will never take another loan again he's no a man I'm telling you but what I'm teaching you will deliver you who told you that a loan must make your business prosper it's not true it's management a little here, a little here. 
A little here, a little there. Planning, planning, cutting down expenses, organizing, you know, tapping into the idea that is coming. Planning and organizing yourself. You will still be rich without a loan. Yes. We've bought this land without a loan. This is your heritage. This is the spirit. This is the culture of the church that you belong to. We don't believe in loans. We believe in planning. We believe in hard work. We believe in strategy. We believe in practicing the word of God. People who have loans are not shouting amen. And it's like there are so many here. Lay your hands on your neighbor and rebuke the spirit of loans. You're not rebuking it properly. Please rebuke it until they vibrate on that seat. Change the version for me. NLT. NLT. Work brings... Talk to me. Loans bring profit. What? Work. But mere talk <laughs> leads to what? Change the version to message Bible. Message, do you have it? And then you give me TPT. Hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. TPT, do you have? Can I read for you TPT? The Passion Translation of the Bible. This is what it says. Oh, I, I don't have it here. It's funny. Who has it? So tell your neighbor, do something. <coughs> do something. Tell them, work hard. I challenge you to work hard this year. Amen? I challenge you to work on your finances this year. I challenge you to work on your debts this year. I challenge you to work on your business this year. Work on your dreams this year. Work on your company this year. And I see you making profit in Jesus' name. Shout a louder, amen. The last one. God tells him, verse 15, not just to work, but he tells him to do what? To keep the garden. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. So number four, management is about protecting resources. Say that with me. Management is about protecting. Say it again. Management is about Say it one more time. The word keep is from the Hebrew word shama, and it means to exercise great care over, to take care of, to guard, or to watch over. So good management entails the protection of the resources that God has given unto you. Where there is abuse, where there is misuse, where there is theft, where there is destruction, it reveals a lack of good management. When you see theft in an office, abuse in an office, misuse in a department or in the church, it tells you something. There is no good management here. A good manager, write this, is a good caretaker 
who protects what he is in charge of. I repeat, a good manager is a great caretaker who protects what he is in charge of. He is always protecting the resources that God has given unto him and is able to multiply those resources because he's protecting them. Once in a while, I love walking around this compound just to see what is happening. And I've walked around this compound several times and sometimes I correct what is wrong. One time I was walking around and I saw water flowing. And I asked the people in charge, why are you allowing water to flow? One time I was walking around and the lights were on during the day. And I asked, why are you allowing lights to be on during the day? We are wasting resources. Well, you might say, but I think you are very petty, Pastor. You are very, very petty. I'm not petty. I am a good manager. And I don't believe in wastage. I am a good manager. I want to manage the electricity in this place. I want to manage the water in this place. I want to manage the resources that God has given unto us. Because I know if I can manage two and a half acres of land, God will give me a thousand acres. Oh, please. Don't tell me. I can pitch you out of your seat. The reason why you are not promoted is because the little God has given unto you, you are wasting it. That's why my staff will tell you, I am very, very meticulous when it comes to some things. Don't waste it. Because if you waste it, you're telling God, I can't manage something else you give unto me. This is too much. It's overwhelming me. I don't have the energy, the capacity to be able to manage this. In John chapter 6, I believe, Jesus fed 15,000 hungry bellies. And after eating, he said, we are not wasting what is left behind. You see, when you eat and you are full, you despise food. True or not true? Yeah. And some of you, when you go to these places where they serve, they serve service, the way you are serving, you know very well you will not finish. But you just want to put a mountain on your plate. Who are you trying to impress? And then you eat, eat a little, you touch here, there, and then you push the plate away. Wasting food. A lot of food. Three quarters of what you served, you have not eaten. You are a bad manager. Then you are crying and say, oh God, give me a lot of food. He says, you, you are a bad manager. I should make you starve so that you can appreciate food. Jesus said, gather everything that is left behind. Because as the people are eating and they are getting full, they were leaving the leftovers on the ground. And Jesus looked around and he could see that there were leftovers spread across the field. And he told the disciples, we are not wasting anything. Go and gather all the fragments. And they gathered all the fragments. Do you know how many baskets they were? Twelve baskets. When you talk about baskets, these are not the shopping things you use in the supermarket. These small, small things that you're pulling. Those baskets used to be huge baskets. Twelve of them, they were full. If you can eliminate wastage, you'll be surprised. If you can protect your resources, you'll be so surprised. Today when I came in the morning, I saw water flowing from our tap. And it was going all the way to the road. I had to call somebody who is in charge. I asked, can you tell? I need an explanation to understand. Why is water flowing from our compound to the road? I need to know why and who allowed it to happen. So that I can deal with that person. Because for me, resources are very important. 
I have taught my children, when you leave a room, switch off the light. You don't just come out. You switch off the light. You try and control your electricity bill, you will be surprised. You've been paying 3000 per month, you will start paying 1500 You're very quiet. You see, being rich also is having more money in your pocket. It is not just spending. It is having more money in your pocket. There is money in your pocket. Yes, there is money in your pocket. Like right now, if I just walk on you randomly, I say, give me 50,000. Are you able to do? Are you able to do that? Or are you able to take your phone and say, give me your account, I'll transfer it. Are you able to do that? Many people can't do that. Oh, give me a thousand shillings. Can you just go to your pocket and just give me the thousand shillings? If you have it, you can be able to do, the, to, to do so. But if you don't have it, you can't do it. So we waste a lot. We waste a lot. There is a culture of wastage in this country. Anything that is for the government, we waste it. We waste government resources. Look at our schools. Government schools are run down, wasted. Government hospitals run down, wastage. People were working in government offices. They are here, some of them. You waste a lot. You have useless meetings to talk about change of flowers in a hotel in Naivasha. Something that you can just make a decision in the office. You have to travel to Naivasha and waste government resources. The culture of wastage in this country is top-notch. You travel to go to a country that is semi-arid to go and study how you can be able to do irrigation. And 90% of your country has rain. Wastage. And the wastage has infiltrated the church. We are wasting even church resources. I can't tell you how many repairs we do every week. Wastage. Broken screens, wastage. People pick the screen, drop it, take it to the store and never say, the day we want to use it is broken. And nobody says anything. Everybody is quiet. As if the screen picked itself. It has legs. And it went to the, to the store. Wastage. You look for a microphone, it's not there. You look for a cable, it's not there. He knows. I'm always on his case. Wastage. Why? Because it belongs to the church. The same person who breaks the church screens can never break his TV in the house. I'm preaching. You're very quiet, but I'm preaching. He can never break his screen in, the church, in, in his house. He can never break it. He has a 50-inch 50 50 TV, flat screen, and he's even curved. He can never break it. But the one for the church, he will just carry it carelessly. Break it, then looks around, nobody saw me. The way Moses killed somebody and looked around, nobody saw him. Then he picks the screen, puts it in the store, and keeps quiet. People are even stealing from the church. Toilet, ladies, tissues. And you don't steal tissues from your own house. Gadgets, small gadgets we buy for streaming services, they disappear. Even the other day, I was told they even did some outfits for media people. You wear for work. After serving, you remove and hang it. But somebody wears. 
He looks at himself. He says, wow. And he goes with it at home. And never brings it back. Ask your neighbor. Anointing. You are not afraid. No wonder we can never prosper. Because God sees how we treat his house. How we treat his resources. If you are not faithful, let me give you a scripture here, the last one. The way some of you are looking at me. It's like Siamalize. I'm finishing. <laughs> Luke chapter 16, verse 12 to 13. Luke 16. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm done. Luke chapter 16. Please give me the verse quickly. All thieves, repent in the name of Jesus. If you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Nobody will give you. Do you have it in the message translation of the Bible? Message. Can we read? If you are not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge? of the store. It will never happen. So you must be faithful in that which belongs to another man. If you want to see growth, if you want to see multiplication, if you want to see increase in your life. Praise the Lord. That's why for me I said as a pastor, you will never find these speakers in my house. They don't belong to me. No. No matter how hot my bedroom is, you will never find that I see in my bedroom. Look at how big it is. If I have put it in my bedroom, I tell my wife, come. Remove your shirt. Remove your top. We, 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 we close the, the door. We remove everything. We remove our shirts. We remove our vests. Yes. Then we are turning 360 degrees. As we sing, Ameniona. Ameniona. Never. Never. What belongs to the church belongs to the church. Do you understand me? Yeah. This keyboard has never come to my house. And it will never come to my house. Never. The keyboard that is in my house, it is mine. Hmm? All these speakers, screens, whatever, you will never see them. If they bring them, it's because maybe there was nobody to bring them in church. But I don't own them. I don't. I don't own this. This tent is not mine. It belongs to the church. This land is not even mine. My name is not on the title of... You see, there's a time I said that and somebody said I'm lying. It is true. If you want to confirm, come, I'll show you. My name is not on the title of this land. The name on the title of this land is City of Transformation Church. I am careful because I know there was a king one time who went and took things from the temple, vessels, whatever. He called his concubines and they started drinking and they were drinking wine, listening to music and then there was a writing on the wall.
And the guy started shaking. God told him, you have been weighed and you have been found wanting. That same night, that king died. Don't joke with church things. They can kill you. I used to teach in a Bible school. Let me give you, this is the last story. I used to teach in a Bible school. And there's a gentleman who came and stole the pump. You see the water pump? A student who came to learn. A man of God. People who go to the Bible school are deep. This is a man of God. Not a man of God. A man of God. A man of God. He came to learn. And when we were closing the Bible school, he went and stole the pump. So we were wondering, how comes we have lost water? So when we went and checked and found that the pump had been stolen. And nobody knew who took it. Several months later, he came back with the pump himself. Actually, somebody brought him. Do you know what had happened to him? He had become blind. He couldn't see. Somebody led him. He was holding his hand. One hand, somebody was holding his hand. Another hand, he was holding the pump himself. He said, I believe the reason why I've become blind is because I stole from the house of God. And he pleaded for mercy. Do you know what happened? He was forgiven and prayed for. Immediately he was prayed for. When we said amen, he, amen, he said, I'm seeing. I can see. If you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? You will never prosper. So become faithful. Become a good manager. Lift up your hand and pray and ask God to make you a very good manager. In Jesus' name. Hey, what a word. Even me, I'm scared as I'm preaching. Good to see you, man. Tell God, God, help me to become a good manager. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to become a good manager. Wow. Father, I pray today that we shall be good managers, managing your resources to the glory and honor of your name. We shall not waste what you have given to us. We shall not waste what you have brought our way. We shall be good managers with the resources that you've given to us. In Jesus' name. And we all shout a big amen. Can we give God a mighty hand of praise? Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.